In these past weeks, I've been listening to Christmas CDs and often missing the news on the hour. I think I'm in a better frame of mind when I'm not focused on news. And it was probably the same for the people of Judah in the times of Isaiah and Zephaniah. The news was not good. They were living in dire times, fearing disaster, facing enemies without, and unfaithfulness within. Not much reason for joy. But both these prophets in today's scriptures remind the people that a day is coming when they will joyfully proclaim God's salvation. In that day, they will celebrate God's deliverance in the past and God's continued presence with them. A verse from the Isaiah passage caught my attention. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I have fond childhood memories of pumping water from an old well, pumping the handle up and down until the water gushed out. I remember the excitement of seeing the water flow. Imagine pumping water from the wells of salvation. God's salvation is fundamental to life, just as water is essential for physical life. God's well is deep and the water abundant. Salvation is more than a one-time event. We need to keep drawing from God's well for the water of forgiveness, for freedom from our fears, for healing, for grace when life overwhelms us. This water satisfies our deepest longings, and our response to drawing from God's well is joy, great joy. Sing, shout aloud. Peterson in the message translates these last verses of Isaiah 12 as, Shout to the nations. Tell them what God has done. Let the whole earth know what God has done. Raise the roof. Sing your hearts out, O Zion. The greatest lives among you, the Holy One of Israel. Zephaniah 3.14 has a similar message. Sing, shout aloud, be glad, rejoice. But then Zephaniah tells us that not only humans are filled with joy. God takes delight in God's people. Picture a new father and mother delighting in their precious newborn. See the thrill on faces of new grandparents. I was reminded of the children's book on the night you were born. On the night you were born, the moon smiled with such wonder that the stars peeked in to see you. Heaven blew every trumpet and played every horn on the night you were born. That's pure delight. Imagine God delighting over you with that kind of joy. Even more, God burst into a song of joy. I wonder, with Betsy, how does God sing? Maybe in four-part harmony all at once. Or with African rhythms, what does God's song sound like? I'm sure it's awesome. My idea would be the northern lights in sound. Again, imagine God singing over you loud singing with elation and great jubilation. I hope that all of you read Alan's email, Preparing Our Hearts for Worship, where he listed examples of God's song, beginning with the song with which God breathed upon the waters, calling creation into being. Some of you knew my husband, John. Music was his passion. In the final days of his life, when he was too weak to converse, he would lie in bed and occasionally lift his right hand and beat time to music, music I could not hear. 
but I'm convinced he was hearing heavenly music, welcoming him home to God. Maybe it was the heavenly choir. Maybe God was singing. Zephaniah tells us God rejoices over God's people with singing. Dare to imagine God's song. In our call to worship this morning, we said together, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, those words that were read to us from Philippians by Mr. Midge um, were written by the Apostle Paul to a little church in Philippi. Um, And when he wrote those words there and Philippians, he was in prison. And he was writing to this little congregation that was formed when he was there on a previous on a, a mission journey. And during that time, while he was beaten up when he cast out the demon of the uh, little girl who was used for the money-making. Uh, and so he upset the people and they put him in jail. And uh, that's the story in chapter 16 of Acts. And at midnight, he and Silas was in jail with him. They started to sing. And as they sang and praised God, the doors of the prison were open. And uh, uh, that was the situation. So here is Paul now in prison again and writing to this congregation and saying, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything, and don't forget to thank God for his answers. Then he says, and your hearts will be at peace and at rest. And at the end of that first chapter, Paul says, I'm, I'm in turmoil. I'm, in, I'm, I'm stressed. But in spite of that, I raise now the question for us this morning, can we imagine a peaceful, a quiet heart in the midst of some of life's most difficult situations? Many illustrations came to my mind, but a personal one was, could I imagine a quiet and a peaceful heart when we got the diagnosis that my wife had cancer of pancreas. It's very difficult. Can we imagine a peaceful heart when a natural disaster goes through our country and destroys like we saw this week? Can we have imagine a peaceful, a quiet heart when a trusted relationship is betrayed? Well, Paul in Philippians says, yes, it's possible. Of course, we have to imagine it. However, I'm a realist, and I'm here to tell you this morning that there have been plenty of times in my life.
to relieve that anxiety by talking to my beloved wife. And she would listen, but those conversations always ended. Well, what you really need to do is get away alone and talk to the Lord. And I did that usually, but not always. Fifty years ago, December 23rd, 24th, uh, my wife and I and our two little children were living in West Jerusalem. And we lived there for about five months, and the purpose of that visit, of staying there was to learn Arabic. And our teacher, Mr. Jaleel Irani, was about 75 years old, and he lived in Bethlehem. He used to have a very fine home in Jerusalem until 1948, when during the Israel-Palestinian War, he was driven out of his home by force, his family, and he fled to what was then Jordan. And his house was occupied by new immigrants. This man was now our teacher. Uh, Jordan became part of the West Bank during the 67 war. He was living in Bethlehem. And while he taught us Arabic, he taught us something that profoundly has influenced me in my life. And that this man now living in, in Bethlehem he would speak and tell us stories of what it was like back when he was in, West, in Jerusalem and the war. But never was there an element of bitterness or hatred. He had his Arabic expressions that would speak heart language, that words would vary. And I learned and I saw demonstrated in his life that it is possible to carry in us deep wounds, deep sorrows, and still have a joyful spirit and a calm, peaceful heart. It was precious. And this was the same man who taught us the customs of the land. We went to our, we invited him to our home in Nazareth later, and we had what we thought was a very nice doormat outside of our apartment door and, and said on Martin, oh, he said, shade. He said, no, 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 no. You, you, you must put that at your door. You, that's, that's really dishonoring to have people to walk over your name. You must pack it and put it up here. <laughs> that's what we learned from Mr. Mr. Irani. That and many, many other things that were cultural. So uh, that was 1971, 50 years ago. And of course, uh, having access to Bethlehem, we went to uh, Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. And it was while there on a cold, rainy night, Manger Square had hundreds, not maybe a couple thousand people. And there were stands and there were international choirs that flew in to sing the Christmas carols in Bethlehem. 
People were lined up to go into the grotto where the silver star marks the place where Jesus was born. As I stood out, And it is here that God became flesh. Can I, can I imagine that? God among us. It was here that angels appeared saying, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to men in the midst of military occupation. Well, you know, that was 50 years ago. 2,000 years ago, it wasn't all that different. The land was occupied. Uh, and the, the military was around. Uh, so two years after that experience, there was war between Israel and the Arab countries. And uh, as the missiles came in, we were in Nazareth. They were going overhead. We had to quickly prepare a bomb shelter. We took in some carpets, some pillows, some candles, a cross, and we converted this cave into our bomb shelter. I can remember as clearly as it was yesterday, sitting in that cave by candlelight with other members of the hospital community during air raids. I can recall my anxious, troubled, spirit, my fear. But I can also tell you that when we started singing, and Betsy, our little song was, I am my beloved, so he is mine, and his banner over me is love. That fear, that anxiety was transformed. I was transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. God among us. So it is possible, whether your anxiety and fear, whatever it might be, it's going to be real. You're going to have to learn to carry the sorrow, the ache, along with the joy. And the Lord can only give you that peaceful, quiet heart in the midst of your suffering. It's, it's his gift. Maya Angelou, the famed poet, playwright, civil rights activist said, music was my refuge. I would crawl into the spaces between the notes and curl my back to loneliness. Hans Christian Andersen, the Danish playwright and author of fairy tales, who was also thought to be dyslexic, said, when words fail, music speaks. 
the world-renowned physicist Albert Einstein said, the greatest joy in my life has come to me from my violin. And the fourth century theologian, St. Augustine said, to sing is to pray twice. When I lived in Boston, I attended Trinity Church, and there was a minister there who began her sermon, every sermon, with the prayer from St. Augustine, which said, Oh God, you have created us for yourself, and we are restless until we have found our rest in you. Restless. Living through COVID, we're watching what happened in Kentucky. People who will not have people at their Christmas dinner while others are worrying about who to invite to Christmas because of not being vaccinated. We look at the tensions in Ukraine and the buildup of the unknown around Taiwan. But restlessness is at an individual level. What is my restlessness? What is your restlessness? Do I even recognize it? Do I reach for something? A drink? A pill? Do I exercise more? Do I sleep less? In the story of John the Baptist this morning, the crowd was restless. What should we do? In this Advent time, when Jesus sent his son to the earth, not to take away our restlessness, but to walk with us through it. Jesus said, come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So what is God's song? I don't know. I imagine it to be when any one of us asks Jesus to help us walk through our restlessness or when we find our rest in him. I don't know what God sounds sounds like. It is a loud noise reverberating through the universe or the melodious soprano songs of children, or silence, God's silence, with tears of joy and gratitude. That's how I imagine God's song. <laughs>